Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba, helping you find happiness and joy on your homesteading journey. This is episode number 26, and today is Friday, September 23rd, and this episode is about starting your own seeds at home. So this is a topic that I'm also very passionate about, but I will pause before we get into it and say that I am recording in the car again, and the next few episodes will be recorded in the car, so hopefully the audio quality is not too bad for this episode, and you can kind of get through it and learn something that maybe you didn't know before. So to start off with starting seeds, it's actually a lot easier than you think it is especially for the produce that we eat regularly from the grocery store. I feel like most grocery stores have very typical and standard fruits and vegetables like bell peppers and cucumbers and zucchinis and tomatoes. We can get into things that grow on trees and bushes like berries and apples, but for now we'll stick with your vegetable produce your annual plants that you're going to need to put in the ground every single year. Depending on your climate, you can grow some of these pre-annually. Um, pre, yeah, I said that right. So we're, I'm going off on a tangent here though. So to grow things like peppers and tomatoes and your herbs, some of your herbs are annuals, some of them are not. I'm not going to go down that list today, but it's easier to do than what you think it is. So now some seeds, before we get too far as well, some seeds do better when you start them inside and then transplant them outside, while other seeds do better if you just put the seed in the ground, give it some water, and let it grow. So an easy-ish way to think that through, your vegetables that are really sensitive to the cold, like tomatoes and peppers, especially hot peppers, those really need to be started inside and put out as a transplant for most places in the United States. Now, things that have a deep tap root, like a carrot, is essentially just a big tap root, or dill has a big tap root as well. Those are things that don't love to be transplanted. Not that you can't transplant them, They would just prefer if you put the seeds in the ground and let them grow where they are. When I think of that, I think of like beets as well. You just kind of want to put the beet seeds in the ground and let them do their thing. So I have mentioned before, um, so actually let me pause here. I mentioned a taproot is something you want to plant in the ground. Also the very fast and prolific growers you can just plant right in the ground like your squashes. Whether that's zucchinis, uh, cucumbers, you can do outside as well, depending on your climate, of course, which is the first couple of episodes I did on the Happy Hippie Homestead podcast. We went into what to grow in your garden, kind of some questions you should ask before you start a garden. And these are some questions you have to figure out is what is your grow zone? How long is your grow season? Because you may have to start your zucchini inside and put them out if your grow season's not quite that long. Like if you live somewhere up really far north, like Alaska, Canada, somewhere in there. It depends. I live in North Carolina, which is the south, so I can plant 
my zucchinis and winter squashes right in the ground outside and let them grow and I'll get a nice long season out of them. So that part depends on your climate as to if you can put the prolific growers outside automatically or if you need to do a transplant. So something else to think about here, you might be wondering, okay, if I wanna start tomatoes and peppers inside, because I mentioned tomatoes and peppers before, how many weeks do you need to plant them? Like when do you put them inside? When do you plant them in the dirt inside and then move them outside? And my best answer for that is also, it depends on your climate. It depends on when your last frost date is. So if your last frost date where I lived in Eastern North Carolina was like the middle towards the end of April, I would have to count backwards from there. Where I live right now, my last frost date is somewhere between the middle of May to the end of May. So I have to count backwards from there. I also look up I don't have the number of weeks on me but I did a google search basically to figure out how many weeks I need to go backwards from my last frost date to put my little seeds in the dirt and start them inside so it's going to depend on your climate as to when that date is that you start them inside it'll also depend on you and what you want so if you live somewhere with a long grow season Maybe you're not worried about putting your tomatoes out immediately on your last frost day. Maybe you don't care if they're a week or two behind. But for people that get shorter grow seasons, you're going to need to time it almost perfect to get it outside. So you can every year, if you want, you might be thinking, okay, I want to start my seeds. I'll count backwards about when to put them in the ground. But what do I need to put it in the ground? We've talked about seeds before and the different types of seeds. You've got your heirloom seeds, your hybrid seeds, and your GMO seeds. So I won't go into that here today. But just know that you've got those three types. I have all heirloom seeds and I use rareseeds.com, which is Baker Creek heirloom seeds is where I get a lot of my seeds from. So for your seeds, you can buy new seeds every year if you want. It is more cost effective to buy a packet of seeds every year than it is to buy four, five, six, a dozen plus transplants every single year. And I will say most of the time you buy a packet of seeds, especially if it's a packet of spinach seeds or a packet of broccoli or packet of lettuce something where the seeds are really small and really lightweight or carrots if I didn't say that already you'll get a ton of seeds that you probably won't use them all in one season so you'll be able to save those seeds and use them next season a lot of times your tomato packets with seeds and your zucchinis will only have a few when I say a few I don't mean like two in there when I say a few I mean anywhere from maybe 10 12 to 25 seeds per depending on the packet that you're buying. Sometimes it will say on the packet how many seeds are inside and other times it won't. Sometimes they do it by weight, which is how you wind up with less watermelon seeds or squash seeds because they just are bigger and they weigh more than a lettuce seed does. So not only can you buy new seeds every year, I will say Baker Creek makes it really tempting. So even if I don't need any new seeds, I always look at their catalog and they always have new varieties available. So I'm always tempted to buy new seeds. But you can also save your seeds every year. 
and we haven't really done an episode on seed saving specifically yet, but I brought it up in the episode I did about seeds, how you can save your own seed. That number one makes you more resilient because you know have a skill, you have the knowledge on how to save those seeds, but it makes your garden more resilient because when you buy packets of seeds, you don't know where those plants were grown. Those plants could have been grown up in California, not up in, out in California. They could have been grown anywhere down in Florida, Texas, you name it. And where you live, your climate might be completely different than where those seeds have come from. And those seeds have the genetics of their parents that grew in those climates. So sometimes your stuff may not do so well in your garden when you're buying brand new seeds. But if you plant maybe seven tomato transplants outside and only one of them does super good and you save that seed, that means that all those, most of those seeds are going to produce off, they're going to be the offspring designed for your landscape, designed for your climate, which I think is amazing. So it helps make your garden more resilient as well because you're selecting the genetics that work well with the environment that you live in. And you can also become more abundant because you can, let's say you buy a huge pack of broccoli seeds and you don't get through them all one year. So you keep them saved for the next year. You can keep them saved for the next year. Same thing if you decide you want to save a bunch of seed this year and not save seed for two or three years, that's okay too because nature is abundant. It wants to survive. So your two or three-year-old seeds are still going to grow. They just may need either longer to grow or you may need to plant more to get the right amount to grow because the germination rate on seeds goes down every year. That doesn't mean it goes to zero, especially not after just a year or two. But it will decrease as time goes on. So I recommend saving some seeds every year. You don't have to save all your seeds from everything. But if you save some seeds from some of your best plants, I think that's beneficial. And because nature's abundant, you usually wind up with extra seeds. And I know for Christmas, like I gave out quite a few packets of seeds to people that I knew were interested in having some kind of a garden. And it's been amazing to get updates and hear what those seeds are doing in someone else's garden. So we've talked about where you can get your seeds from to start them. Now, what about what do you plant it in? So what you plant it in, you can plant it. Okay, so there's a few different things here. You can keep it simple and you can plant it in any container that you do have whether that's recycling, maybe. So you're figuring out how to reuse some of that recycling instead of sending it through the recycling center, which I think is amazing. So that's an option for you. You can use containers you already have. You can go buy the little seed starter containers. I will say the seed starting containers, they're not very expensive. They're usually some kind of a plastic. You can get a kind where you have to water it every day. You can get a kind where you fill up the bottom container and it waters itself for a little while. I've got like a 
cool one that uses a mat for watering. So I put water in the bottom container and then there's this mat that soaks up the water and then the plants and the dirt soak up the water from the mat. So I think that's a really cool system that I have there. So sometimes these plastic containers you buy from the store will come with like a white plasticky cover. So I just wanted to quickly talk about what that white plastic cover is used for and how long you should actually keep it on there. So the white plastic cover is there to keep the moisture in, the humidity in when you're trying to get these seeds to actually start for you to become little sprouts. So you really only need them on there for a few days or a week at the most to get them to sprout and then you go ahead and take that plastic cover off and let the air get in there and let things kind of circulate through. So I don't think there's one right answer for which containers you should be using to start your seeds. I think it's completely personal preference. So when it comes to the dirt that you should be using as well for these seeds, you'll hear a lot of people recommend buying a bag of seed starting, a seed starting mix. And that's because the seed starting mixes you buy at the store are sterile already. And they're the right ratio that keeps this, it keeps the dirt really light and airy, kind of fluffy almost, giving the seeds enough room to put those roots down to sprout up easily. So I think that's important. I know I buy a bag of it and honestly I buy a bag and it lasts me a really long time because in the little plastic containers you buy from the store you can't put much dirt in there. So I don't go through it very fast. I'm not buying it very often. You can use dirt from outside. I have not done this before but I have done a lot of research and reading that in order to use the outside dirt to start your seeds in for transplants such as tomatoes and hot peppers that need to go inside first, you will need to do, people recommend you do some kind of sterilization of the dirt and you run it through, I think people put it, bake it in the oven to kind of kill any molds that already might be in the soil, things like that. So the reason in theory you want to do that is because to get your seeds to germinate they have to be kept really damp and moist so you might be wondering i said you could plant some seeds outside but now i'm saying the special inside seeds need special dirt which i know sounds crazy but outside there's so many other factors that kind of help along the natural process of the seeds germinating you have the sun that dries out the soil you have the wind that'll dry out some of that soil so there's a little bit of a balance and there's a lot of factors in the in the dirt and in the soil that's outside already that when you scoop it up and put it inside where there's no more wind there's no more worms there's no more sun there's no more anything that's why they recommend sterilizing because when you bring it inside and you're trying to keep it moist and damp for these little seeds to sprout you don't want some type of bacteria or fungus to take over and kill your plants, which we'll get to that here in a few minutes. So you have a few options for the dirt as well. So people also talk about if you start really digging down the rabbit hole of starting from seed, people will bring up using a heating pad 
for their seats. Now, I'm not talking the heating pad you use when you're sitting on the couch and your back hurts. That's a different kind of heating pad. They make specific heating pads for seed starting. So I personally do not have one of these. I see where it can be beneficial. There are some people that say you need it to really get things like hot peppers to germinate in your house in January or February when your house is probably cooler than what it is in the summer. For me, it's a cost thing. I don't really want to buy one and I don't really want to leave it plugged in and running all the time. That's just not something that I personally want to do. I have gotten hot pepper seeds to germinate without a heating pad. Now, could I maybe get a better germination rate with a heating pad? Probably because the dirt is warmer. That's the goal of the heating pad is you put the dirt on the heating pad and it warms up the dirt because seeds in nature, they're smart. They know when it's too cold to germinate. So I keep my house at 65 degrees. That is too cold for a hot pepper plant. They'll survive in 65 degrees, but they really like the warmth. And that warmth is what signals to the seed, okay, it's time. It's springtime. It's warm. Let's sprout. It's going to be summer soon. But at 65, 24-7, the poor little seeds are like, hey, this is not this is not the environment we want to grow in. This is not warm. It's not hot. So what I've done in the past, if it looks like I'm having issues, maybe about two, three days in, maybe four sometimes, and I don't see any little sprouts coming up, what I do is this may or may not be safe or the best option. I've got a small space heater and it is a nice space heater. It is a newer space heater. It's one of the space heaters where if it falls over, it shuts itself off. So I'm not ever worried about something catching fire. And I don't leave the space heater on 24-7. But what I'll do is I usually start some of my seeds in a closet because I don't have a lot of space to start seeds in. So I'll start the seeds in a closet, put the space heater in the closet. Sometimes I'll leave the door open. Sometimes I'll close it if I don't want the cats getting in there and messing with the space heater. If I'm going to leave it on while I go for a run, I'll close the door. But if I'm home, I'll leave the door open. And I usually only run it for maybe two, three hours at the most a day. And sure enough, it makes it warm enough in that closet where they do start to sprout for me, which I think is amazing. So there are workarounds for buying a heating pad. It is not necessary. You can get things to germinate without it. I have heard of people, if they have like a wood-burning stove or if your kitchen stays warmer than the rest of your house for whatever reason, they put their seeds, especially like the hot pepper seeds, in that room or over that, not on the wood stove, but over the wood stove, near the wood stove, So they kind of get that warmth and start to germinate. I've heard that that works really well too. So that's an option if you have one of those. So the next thing you might go down the rabbit hole with seed starting is do you need grow lights? I've done a lot of research about do you need grow lights? Do you not need grow lights? What are the benefits of grow lights? And I will have you know that I'm too cheap to buy a heating pad, but I bought myself some grow lights because the research I was doing You can grow seeds and transplants without grow lights. Put them by a sunny window, but then you have to pay attention to turning the the plant because otherwise it will start to lean over and bend towards the sunlight coming from the window. And we don't want that. 
You also run the risk of your transplants becoming kind of leggy as they're reaching for the sun. And if they get super leggy, they could just fall over, which is not something you want either. And to me, the grow lights I could turn on and leave on for 18 hours a day and 18 hours of sunlight, direct sunlight, causes these transplants to grow so much faster and so much better. So that's why for me, it was important to get grow lights. Now I made sure I looked into what type of grow lights I was getting and everything else. So do your research before you just buy random grow lights. I can put a link to the Amazon grow lights that I bought that I really, really love. I have bought some that I don't love as much, but they were kind of beneficial for a little while there. So I'll link to the two different grow lights that I do have and kind of not write up a full review, but a little bit as to what I like about each one. So the cons of grow lights, it does take some electricity to run your grow lights, but the good news is you don't have to run them year round unless you're growing hydroponically or inside year round. I will say I did the math for how much my grow lights I have right now based on like the watts how much money it'll cost me to run if I ran it for 18 hours a day, 365 days a year, because I do grow inside hydroponically. And I think it was going to cost me, I think somewhere around seven to $20 total, $7 or $20 for the whole year. Not just for a month, not for a week, but for the year is how little energy some of these grow lights use now that are newer. So we talked a little bit about how early you should start your seeds and I said it depends. Depends on your climate and it depends on what it is that you are trying to grow. Whether it's those hot peppers, those bell peppers, your tomatoes, all of them need a different time for the most part inside. So now we can talk about once you've got your little seedlings and you know your date that you want to put them outside, when do you transition them? Should you transition them or just kind of throw them outside and say, okay, you're good. So I think transitioning them, you do need to do a little bit of a transition. I've done a mix of things. I know there are some people that really baby their plants and they transition them for about a week where they take them outside for a little bit in the afternoon when it's beautiful and sunny in the spring and then bring them back in at night when it kind of cools off then they'll take them back outside again the next day and then bring them back in and then the next day they'll leave them out a little longer and then bring them back in and then then they'll slowly put them out in the morning and let them sit out there so I don't really have the patience for all that especially Because last year, for me, my transplants were like 100 plus plants. I was not moving 100 plus plants inside, outside, inside, outside for over a week. That was just not something that was happening for me. (laughs) So what I did was I moved them out probably for a full afternoon. Kind of let them soak up the sun, gave them some water, brought them back in at night. The next day, I took them out in the morning let them sit out all day, brought them back in at night, and the third day they went out and they were out for good. So I think the transitioning, 
also depends on you. It depends on how many transplants we're talking. It depends on your climate. It depends on how much time and energy you want to spend transitioning them. I will say I have just taken my transplants and put them in the ground outside. And that shocks them sometimes and kind of kills them all. And that is not what I wanted to happen. So I do baby them a little bit more now (laughs) than I used to in the beginning. So I think they do need a little bit of a transition period, whatever that needs to be for you. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Now, if you take your tomato transplants and leave them outside overnight and there's a frost that comes through, it'll probably kill all of your transplants. It will most likely kill all of them. So definitely baby your transplants. If you're going to put time and effort into this, pay attention to the weather before you put them outside. So just because you have a last frost date of April 15th doesn't mean you may not get a freak frost on April 16th. So just kind of pay attention to what you're doing with your transplants. So you might be wondering, well, how... Do I just leave them in these little small containers that you buy from the store or do I need to pot them up to bigger pots? So the issue I've had in the past, I'll start them inside in the little seed starting containers and then all of a sudden the roots start to grow down and out of the bottom of the seed containers and to me that means they're getting root bound in there and they've got more roots than they know what to do with so the roots are growing out. So that's the point when I will transplant them to a slightly bigger pot. Now, I won't take a tomato transplant and put it in the biggest pot I own. I've got a bunch of little like three and four inch pots and I'll put them in there to let them keep growing sturdy and strong until it's time to go outside. So do you need to replant them before you put them outside? Yet again, it depends on when you started them. Maybe you were late with starting your seeds this year and you can't leave them inside for eight weeks and you only have four weeks and they can go outside, then maybe you won't need to repot them. Maybe there's been years where I've started my seeds too early. I figured I wanted to give them as much time inside as possible. And yeah, that was a little bit of a mess because things got, they got way too big too fast and I had to keep repotting them. So I learned from that mistake. If it says six to eight weeks, You don't need to give it nine or more. (laughs) Give it six to eight and maybe more like six (laughs) instead of the nine plus. So another question you may have is, okay, I, I got it. I'm doing the containers. I'm buying the dirt and I'm getting some seeds and maybe some grow lights. But how many seeds do you put per little container? Everything here is it depends. (laughs) It depends on how old your seeds are. If your seeds are brand new out of the packet, you do not need three, four, five, six of them in there, especially not for tomatoes and peppers. You'll wind up with at least three, four, five, six little transplants. So it depends on how old your seeds are. It also depends on how much do you love that plant. So if you bought new seeds this year and you're planting them, And you, so sometimes when I do it, I try to plant maybe two per, even if it's new seeds, I'll kind of pick two per. And I know that if I plant, if I do six little containers at two per, I could wind up with 12 plants. 
do I love that plant enough to do something with 12 plants? For me, if it's basil and I plant six little containers, I am hoping to get at least six plants. But if I wind up with 12 plants, I am totally planting all 12 basil plants outside. Now you may have an issue because basil's a cute little herb and that can kind of get put somewhere easily. But something like tomatoes or cucumbers or zucchini, if you accidentally start too many, you may not have enough space in your garden for a plant that big. So you have to think through, maybe you would be okay with killing off a plant. That, not that I'm against killing off plants, but I don't like to do it because they're so cute. And I put in all this time and effort, you know, to get them to sprout. So I get excited that they sprouted and I don't want to kill them. And I want to find homes for all of them, which isn't always possible. But it could be a nice way for you to start a side hustle. If you wind up with 20 extra tomato transplants, you can either sell them at a farmer's market. You can sell them to your neighbors. You can sell them at work or just give them away. It doesn't even matter. Put them on Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, whatever it is. So could be a side hustle potential there if you start extra. Same thing if you start them too early and they get really big. People will totally buy the really big, beautiful transplants from you. So how many seeds to put per container depends on how old your seeds are and how much do you love that plant. So now how much water do you give these little seeds that are in there? To get them to sprout, you want it damp. I will say a little tip here. So a lot of the containers you buy from the store are self-watering. So you don't really need to do much in terms of water. It kind of takes care of itself. You'll need to fill up the water every once in a while, but it will kind of water itself. Sorry about that. So another tip that I have for the watering, I've definitely made the mistake before of dumping all the dirt in and then putting my seeds in and filling up the bottom container with water, and that's it. But the issue is the dirt on top where the seeds are, are is not wet, it's not damp, so those seeds are not going to sprout. So then I have to go back through and like mist each and every little container. So you could do it a couple different ways, but when you're putting the seeds in the dirt, make sure the dirt that the seeds are in is wet or damp. You don't want it soaking wet, but damp. However that needs to be, whether you need to get a little spray bottle to mist it with, or if you need to pour the water on the top and let it fill up the bottom by itself from the top, completely up to you. So something that can happen to everybody's transplants, it's happened to me, it's happened to a lot of people, it happens to professional growers all the time, is a disease called dampening off. And that is a fungal disease that takes place. It kind of takes hold over your plants and it will kill them. What's the best preventative for dampening off? I haven't found in my research and experience a solid one yet. Doesn't mean it's not out there. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just haven't found a great one for dampening off, but it happens to everybody. So if it happens to you, do not freak out. I would make sure that for the, your remaining plants or for your plants for the following year, maybe to have some little small fan running to keep the airflow going to try to, I know I said I, you want the soil to be damp and moist to get it to sprout, 
But once they are sprouted, the soil doesn't have to stay damp and moist for the six remaining weeks that it has to be inside. That could lead to a fungal issue. Not saying it will, but it could. So dampening off is something you should look up. So this way you know what the signs are. If your plants start to look kind of sick or kind of weird, it could be dampening off. So it's worth looking into. Another important thing, which is a whole episode I did, is growing what you eat. What to put in your garden is growing what you eat. You don't want 20 tomato plants if you don't eat tomatoes. You don't want 20 pepper plants if you hate peppers. Maybe someone in your family loves peppers and that's why you planted them and that's great. But for me, like I'm by myself, so I'm not going to plant things I'm not going to eat or cook with because it just doesn't really make any sense. So I think seeds are amazing. They're a part of nature, which makes them extremely resilient. I think that they are more cost effective than transplants. And you're able to select the genetics that you want and need for your environment with these seeds, which I think is also super important. So some key takeaways here, starting from seeds is not that hard. You don't need to buy a bunch of big fancy equipment to get it done. You need a packet of seeds, preferably some dirt, a seed starting mix dirt from the store, or at least sterile dirt from outside. And then you just need to get it started. If you want to do grow lights, grow lights are not that expensive. They sound like they're going to be but I will put the links in the show notes to some grow lights that you can get. So that is helpful as well. So you could do it with a very minimal upfront cost. Now, if you want to do a ton of seeds, you're going to definitely need more stuff. You'll need more grow lights. You'll need more containers. You'll need more seeds, but you can start small. Start with what is important to you. What are things that you and your family eat the most often? And I know we talked about tomatoes and hot peppers, but you can apply this to your winter garden. You can apply this to any type of garden it is that you want to have. There's no right or wrong answer to what you're growing or how to do it. I guess there could be some ways that maybe wouldn't be the best, but definitely start some some from seed. Even if you still buy transplants, maybe this year you only want to try tomato seeds inside. And then you go from there and see if you like it. If you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to do it again. You can keep buying transplants. Completely up to you. So that is what I have today about starting seeds. I will go more into other topics as we go on throughout these weeks here. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there right at the end. Okay. Um, Thank you for tuning into this episode. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. I try to post a few times a day to there. And please feel free to share the page, share the website, or share the podcast with anybody that you think might be interested in some of the topics that we talk about here. The three Ps, permaculture, preparedness, and plant-based living. We haven't really touched specifically on preparedness in a little while, but I think part of that's because a lot of the episodes I've been doing tie back slightly to preparedness. Like to me, having some kind of a garden, starting your own seeds ties into preparedness. 
I think it's very important to have skills. That's part of what being prepared is. And that's what part of what seed starting is, is it's a skill. You have to actually start doing it to learn more about how to do it. So I hope you are have gotten a little bit of information and you feel more confident, at least confident enough to start your own seeds this year. I will say starting seed time for me is anywhere between January, the end of January, beginning of March, depending on what I'm starting exactly. So as we get closer to that time frame, I'll definitely do more episodes about seeds and growing your garden to get everybody excited and motivated. So stay tuned for the next episode.